What's up, guys? Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's Genesis Invitational. Riviera Country Club is one of my favorite courses on tour. In fact, I'll be there on Thursday if you're going to be around. Come say hello. I'll tweet out my location at some point. There's a chance I'm there Friday as well, but still up in the air. Coming off an absolutely phenomenal week, the WM Phoenix Open always delivers. And of course, the Super Bowl. Now, if you remember last week, what I did is I asked you which would be higher, the winning score of the WM Phoenix Open or Joe Burrow's passing yards. And I must say, at probably a 90-10 split, the comments rolled in in favor of Joe Burrow. He's easily going to throw for over 300 yards. No chance. The winning score at the WM Phoenix Open is higher. The results are in. Joe Burrow's Passing yards in the Super Bowl, 263. The winning score, Scotty Scheffler and Patrick Cantlay, technically, because they went to a playoff. For the WM Phoenix Open, 268. How about that? The winning score was victorious. And how good am I at setting lines? Maybe I should quit my day job and become a cross-sport prop maker. No, I think, I'll, I think I'll hang here. Um, I did give away two subscriptions to rickrungood.com for people that entered. You did not have to get the side correct. So those go out to uh, Garleyler. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. And Matt Levine, congratulations. I've already reached out to you, and I'll get you set up with your subscriptions uh, to rickrungood.com. Much appreciate all the support. Thank you so much for liking, for subscribing. I, I love doing this, and this is an event that I'm absolutely stoked to talk about. I will say this. Because I am traveling this week, the content schedule is a little bit different. So I've tweeted it out. You can go to uh, my my Twitter page, rickrungood.com. It'll be pinned there at the top so you can see the content schedule for the remainder of the week. But let's not waste any more time. Let's get into it. Riviera. All right, Riviera Country Club, and what I'm showing you on the screen right now, if you're watching on YouTube, it's my website. It's rickrungood.com. I love it. I think you'll love it, too. You should subscribe. This is really a true test. You know, this is a golf course that has a lot of bite to it. Uh, in fact, if you just look at kind of the percentages to hit the fairway, percentages to hit, percentages to hit greens, um, it's tough. So I have it right here. Fairways last year. 47% of fairways were hit. That was the second most difficult fairway to hit on tour last season. Greens in regulation, 54%. That was the third most difficult green in regulation to hit last year. Birdie or better percentage, 17 out of 51. So basically top third in terms of difficulty. And same thing for scoring average. It's, it's really, uh, there's kind of two ways. Not two ways. You kind of have to be good at everything, right? You've got to be either a really good ball striker or really good in your short game. Ideally, both of those things kind of being the path to victory. And uh, you're going to see a lot of guys playing from the rough. You're going to see a lot of guys playing from greenside. But if you can avoid that, if you can play from the short, short grass, if you can play from gr the green, you are giving yourself a significant advantage to the rest of the field. If you look at the most correlated stats to success, driving distance, highly correlated to success. Uh, 11 out of 43 in terms of courses, which means there's only 10 courses on the PGA Tour schedule in which uh, driving distance is more strongly correlated to success over the years. And then around the green is ninth. So that's really the strongest metric, uh, that short game metric. And it doesn't mean, it does not mean that golfers who are um, winning that week or having success that week at Riviera are getting up and down. No, it means that golfers who 
for that season in which they had success, they had really good around the green numbers. That's what it says. So we're building uh, types of golfers, models of golfers that are going to have success at every single golf course. So uh, it will be a true test. We've seen some uh, legitimate winners around here. We've seen a lot of really good golfers in contention, and it's a very, very strong field. Now, there's something very unique about kind of the scores and the way they roll in at Riviera that we don't normally see on the PGA Tour schedule. Now, this is a golf course that played over par on average last year, about a quarter of a shot over par, 71.27. And normally when you see a course that plays over par, it's like, you know, 14 of the holes are right around um, even par. And then you might have a hard hole and you might have one easy hole. But Riviera kind of takes it to the extremes. While the scoring average is over par, there are at least four really easy holes. Now, there are some really tough holes as well, but four really easy holes. Number one, number 10, number 11, and number 17. So of the 918 holes on the PGA Tour schedule last year, number one, the opening hole at Riviera was 914th. That means it's like a bottom five hole. It means it's one of the easiest holes on the PGA Tour. So if you're not making birdie or having a look at Eagle on this 500-yard par 5 to open up at Riviera that plays downhill, you're doing something wrong. So that's a very easy hole. The fives in general, very, very easy. Number 11, that was ranked 822 out of 918. Uh, number 17 ranks 780 out of 918. And then number 10, which, yes, there are big numbers lurking, on average, it plays under par. It was 600 and 77th out of 918. So what does that mean? It means that there are four holes that are in the easiest 27% of all holes on the PGA Tour. The opposite side of that is that there are three holes that are in the hardest 8% of holes. So what am I even getting at here? Um, you don't see a breakdown like this. You don't see the extremes too often. And if you're playing props, if you're playing prize picks, I think this week... The, the birdies prop uh, is probably one of the best places that you can go. So here are the current lines over at Prize Picks, and I stress these are the current lines because these are going to move. Because what I think the guys at Prize Pick did, Prize Picks did is, okay, they took the you know how many birdies or better that these golfers are making, and they factored in the the, the fact that Riviera is hard, and they did a good job there. But what I think they're whiffing on is that the four really easy holes. So there is not a golfer for round one with a prop for birdies or better over four. It's, it's three, it's three and a half, or it's four for even the best players in this field. Well, we just talked about it. The par fives are all birdie holes. Um, ten, there's big, that's kind of an extreme hole, but there are birdies to be made there as well. Well, that's four really easy holes, or four easier than normal holes. If you can get one more somewhere else, you are kind of in, you know, prime position to go over. So, like, I'm looking at Abraham Answer. Answer... Uh, his prop for round one in terms of birdies is three birdies. Now, he might shoot over par, but I think you can get it done with four. Or you can shoot over par and make four or five birdies because of the difficult holes that are out there and the big numbers that you can make. So it's a really weird situation where you have a hard hole, a hard course, but there are birdies to be made. And I think um, 
especially in round one, if the prize picks guys don't figure this out uh, for rounds two, three, and four, I, I think a lot of guys are going to go over on the birdies. Now, um, if you haven't played props, I've been loving it for the last couple of weeks. If you use my code Rick, it's 100% instant deposit match up to $100. I get paid on that. You get paid on that. Prize picks gets your business. It's a win-win-win situation. So I've built this tool that you're looking at on rickrungood.com right now. That's a free tool. So if you just go into free tools, you can mess around with that. You can change any number of rounds. But I think there's a huge opportunity here. And what I've seen is when this video gets released or when I tweet it, I, I, I hate to say I'm moving the needle. I don't think I am, but literally the lines are moving. So, so you probably want to be very quick on that. Um, the link is in the description if you want to sign up and you want to play. Really strange situation. I can't wait to see how it plays out, uh, especially on Thursday with these birdies rolling in. Let's go over to the cheat sheet here. And there are five golfers priced over $10,000. John Rahm, 11.3. Patrick Cantlay, a flat 11,000. Justin Thomas, 10.7. Colin Morikawa, 10.4. Dustin Johnson, 10.2. Hard not to like any of these guys, right? I mean, the depth of this field is amazing. The guys who are um, at the top are playing really well. I can I can beat you over the head with the John Rahm, uh, Patrick Cantlay stuff. If you'd like, someone dropped in the comments and was like, stop saying John Rahm is by far the best player in the world. His ego is going to get inflated or something like that. And I'm like, do you think John Rahm's listening to this? If he is, hello, John. Welcome. You're playing great right now. Um, what we've seen. So Rahm before last week was gaining 2.52 strokes per round over his last 50. Finished inside the top 10, dropped to 2.49. Still a staggering number of strokes gained per round. Cantlay is bridging the gap. Cantlay is now up over two strokes gained per round. So it's Rom at 2.4, it's Cantlay at 2.1, and it's everybody else. Nobody within a half a shot of Patrick Cantlay. Next closest golfer, Cam Smith, 1.66 over the course of his last 50. If you go to weighted numbers, we'll see uh, a little bit different, but... I think that's a really good perspective. So there are no qualms about Rom and Cantlay, and I will continue to say, as I have, the the really the true way to deploy these guys is in DFS. Um, you know, you're not betting them outright. They haven't won. You haven't been burned by that uh, too recently, yet they are in optimal lineups. They are um, constantly outperforming their expectation. They're just they're just doing crazy things in the world of DFS. And if you can get them in your lineups. Awesome. We'll see on Wednesday during the live chat, 3 p.m. Eastern time, what the actual ownership is going to be. Uh, Justin Thomas, mixed bag of results here. And I wonder how that's going to impact his ownership, because I can already tell you a lot of people are going to love Colin Morikawa, which is which is well warranted. A lot of people are going to love Dustin Johnson again, fairly well warranted. What are we going to do with JT? At this point in the week, early on Monday, it feels like he's your leverage play. Let's go look at his golfer profile real quick, and we'll note two missed cuts in his last two trips to this event, but his two starts before that were two top tens. The good news for Justin Thomas is that he's vintage JT, right? He gained seven strokes on approach last week in Phoenix. Seven. His best approach week since, oh boy, since concession. That was a year ago. That we're coming up on two week, two weeks away from a year ago, a full year. WGC concession, he gained nine and a half, and he lost two point eight strokes putting. Yeah, putt to a zero, and you've you're you're in the playoff, JT. So it's a really, um, it's a really good sign. This is the blueprint that you want to see, all that good stuff. And I think he's probably going to be the pivot play of the week. Morikawa is going to be really popular, and it's warranted. Um, you know, I, I think that most people don't realize 
that Morikawa has been really good, right? You know, Victor's won a couple of times, and we're talking a lot about Ram and Cantlay, and Morikawa has played overseas for his last two starts, but, um, you know, T18 in Dubai, T62 in Abu Dhabi, but here we go. Fifth place finish at the Tournament of Champions, fifth at the Hero. He wins in Dubai at the DP World Tour, seventh at the Zozo, second at the CJ Cup. I mean, he's just piling it up, and when you look at his results here, remember, I'm pretty sure this is the event Right after this event, uh, he went to that claw grip. He worked with Marco Mira on the claw grip with his putter because he lost seven and a half strokes putting here last year, um, which is one of his worst putting performances of his career, but he gained seven and a half on approach. And it's why a lot of us were all over his win at the concession because we knew he couldn't putt like that again. And I'm fairly confident this the next week he went to the, he either went to the, the claw grip this week last year and struggled with it the first time he used it and then he figured it out or this was the reason he went to the claw I can't remember which but he was in the midst of some putting woes that while he's not been a great putter since then he's definitely been serviceable and he's definitely been a guy who gains three or four in a given week and if he does it if he does it, he wins, right? Like that's that's the path. That's why he wins so often. So a lot of energy is going to be expended towards Colin Morikawa. So I think if you're playing the game theory game, it's JT and it's DJ. Go with your acronyms. If you want to win with GT, game theory, it's JT and DJ. Um, Dustin Johnson, let's pull up his golfer profile because he has been uh, phenomenal at this event. Uh, Riviera, and, and, and it's not always been an invitational, right? It was the Northern Trust. Uh, it was an open event, and now it's the invitational, so it is a smaller field. But I don't think people realize what a great putter Dustin Johnson has been. In fact, let's go to the power rankings. Let's do last 50 for just golfers in this field, sort by strokes game putting. Number one, Norin, Hughes, Lebiota, Rom, McElroy, Cam Smith, Dustin Johnson. It's like a top seven putter in the last 50 rounds. Would you have guessed that? I probably wouldn't if I didn't have the database, right? If I wasn't seeing it all the time. Um, but when you combine that, maybe he's one of the top eight put best putters in this field with maybe what we saw at Tory, right? Gaining over seven strokes in the ball striking categories. Then he goes to Saudi Arabia. We don't have the breakdown there, but he finishes T8, gains nearly 10 strokes on the field. Now goes back to an event where... Uh, he's been phenomenal, right? I can pull up his results. And you can see he's got the win in 2017. He's got three straight top 10 finishes, a bunch of runner-ups, runners-up, bunch of third and fourth. Like, he's just been, it's amazing. It's an amazing, amazing history around here. So um, I will likely, if I'm trying to win all the money, focus on JT, focus on DJ, but it is a, a beautiful, absolutely beautiful $10,000 range. As you can imagine in this field, the 9K range is stacked as well. Xander, 9,900. That feels a bit disrespectful, right? I mean, he finished, what, a shot out of the playoff last week? Um, got another good set of results here. Four straight top 25s, the only four times he's played it. I guess you can't move him into the 10K range, but that... Like, like Xander is going to win somewhere and he's going to be priced in the nine thousands. And we're all going to be like, wow, aren't we a bunch of idiots, right? Like that's, that's coming. And it might be this week when you get the difficult conditions and you need to be a, a well-rounded golfer and it's firm and fast, like, man, really hard to believe Xander wouldn't contend here. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that. Roy McIlroy is probably the most interesting golfer here. Missed the cut here last year, had back-to-back -back top fives before that. Rory, we don't have the statistical breakdown for in his last four starts. So if you actually look at this, 
the last four that we have measured uh, measured data on, he's lost on approach in four straight. Now, that has not stopped him from turning in good results. A fourth at the BMW Championship while he lost strokes on approach. A win at Summit Club while he lost nearly th- over three and a half on approach. That's scary stuff for the rest of the field. And then he's played uh, four times in Europe that we don't have the breakdown on, but he finished sixth at the the World Tour, the DP World Tour Championship, 18th at the Hero. That's miserable. That's nearly dead last. And then T12 in Abu Dhabi and third at the Dubai Desert Classic in the event he probably should have won, right? He dumps it in the water there. Late, Victor gets into a playoff uh, with Richard Bland, and the rest is history. Victor's adding another trophy to his mantle. Uh, but man, this is this is the guy, right? This is the guy everybody's going to try to figure out. This is the guy that we're going to go in with with kind of little evidence around, or at least you know little information around in a stacked nine thousand dollar range. If we're continuing on this kind of game theory um, path that we're on. I think at this moment on Monday morning, your best options are DJ, JT, Roy McIlroy, right? That that feels like um, the way to run this out because you're going to see you're going to see a lot of people bounce right back on on Victor. You're going to see a lot of people go to Hideki, who's been phenomenal, by the way. Actually, I wanted to look at this. I wanted to see where Hideki ranked in like weighted. Weighted strokes gained last, uh, well, we could do last 20, but I think I can give him more credit than that. Last 20, he's sixth, but I bet you if we go back even further, like last 40, which is getting into a pretty significant um, stretch of golf, oh, he actually drops. Yeah, maybe it is Maybe it is more recently. Yeah, he's 40th in, in last 40. What about last 30? I feel like he's been playing better than just five events or so. Maybe he hasn't. These are weighted too, so he doesn't get as much credit for uh, you know some of the weaker fields. But wow, yeah, I mean, listen, wh- where does Hideki play best? Firm, fast, kind of more difficult courses. You think of uh, obviously Augusta National. You think of uh, the Memorial, right? Like uh, Scottsdale. That thing dries out over the course of the day. He's won there multiple times. This should be a pretty good setup for him. Ninth two years or ninth three years ago, fifth uh, two years ago. Uh, I don't think many will sprint after Scotty Scheffler after his recent victory, but I think it's a pretty good buy spot for Brooks Kepka. So, okay, here's what kind of happens. You know, Brooks was a huge question mark last week. The recent form was horrendous. The course history was amazing. And now we had back-to-back weeks of Spieth having the same situation and playing well at Pebble and Brooks doing the same thing in Phoenix. Maybe this is going to become a, a course history channel, right? Maybe maybe that's the key. Uh, uh, undefeated in the last two weeks. But what I think happens is you get... Um, Everybody was kind of, anyone who wanted to play Brooks last week was kind of excited to do so under the guise of uh, course history. Now you go somewhere where he doesn't really have elite course history, right? And the field is just as good, if not better. I mean, I guess I guess it's better, obviously. Um, has made two cuts in a row here, but his best finish is a T38, nothing particularly special. And what I saw from him, I thought was fairly encouraging. When Brooks is at his best, he's gaining strokes on approach. Look at it. You know, he gains two last week, T3. Uh, the last time he gained more than two was T5 at the Travelers. Time before that, T4 at the U.S. Open. Before that, uh, T2 at the PGA Championship. T2 at the WGC. Win in Phoenix. Like, if he gains over two strokes on approach, he's in it. He's in it. And and I saw him hit some shots that were really, really encouraging. And I wonder if people are 
just going to kind of bounce off that. You're still going to get firm, fast, hard conditions in which it's kind of feeling a bit like a major. Maybe Brooks shows. So I, I, I think it is an interesting uh, now buy spot on a $9,000 Brooks Kepka. Looks healthy, by the way. The $8,000 range, I assume everyone will roll with Zalatoris, which is fine. I think, again, if you're playing the game theory, it's Burns and it's and it's Sungjae. So Sam Burns, we're, we're going to learn, right? I'm, I'm a big believer in Sam Burns, and he is uh, someone that, you know, we were hoping in the fall and kind of hoping into last summer that, that that was what we saw last year from him was not just a fluke. And he's missed two cuts in a row, although I will say good sign that he, um, you know, gained strokes on approach in Phoenix and he missed the cut by a number. In fact, the, the number, in fact, the last two cuts that he's missed, he's uh, missed it by a shot, less than a shot, you know, in terms of strokes gain total. So I think there's no reason to panic. But remember, Burns was leading this event last year, I think, as they made the turn on Sunday. That makes sense because firm like Burns is a modern player so I'd be interested in buying back on him and then the other one in this spot is Sungjae who took a what two-week break right took two off weeks in a row I don't know if that's good or bad for a guy who loves to tee it up every single week but here's what I see from Sungjae he has not lost strokes off the tee since the John Deere that was in July Started the streak that he's on right now at the Olympics. And when he's at his best, that second category looks really good as well. Great ball striker. The short game starting to turn around. I mean, this is, um, this to me is a really, really good spot for him. Although I think he missed the cut here. Was it last year or two years ago that he missed the cut here? Maybe it was two years ago. Let's, let's look it up. It was when I was there, which had to have been more than two years ago. Okay, he's only played it twice. He played in 2020, 2019, missed the cut in both, did not play it last year. Uh, so he's back again this time around. I'm telling you, the way he's playing, I think it sets up really well for him. And when, he, when he's at his best, that ball striking, the short game, right? Like he, when he's at his best, he's the guy who wins this. He can ball strike it well. And if he does miss a green, getting up and down like is one of his strengths. So uh, again, it's, it's going to be a bit more volatile, but I, I love the way Sung Jay is priced. Um, Bubba will likely be inflated three times a victor here. I do wonder what, what Finau is going to do. I mean, Finau has been very, very poor, right? By his own lofty standards. And he's got two runner up finishes here. We remember the playoff with Max Homa last year, but man, that is really scary stuff to be buying, Finau, the other two guys, I guess really the rest of this 8K range, I really love. You know, Adam Scott um, played well enough last week. He's won this event, I think, last. I don't want to say it was a tune-up, but, like, playing Phoenix for the first time and playing well for the majority of the week and then getting to go to a place you've won before, I think that's really good. Fitzpatrick has low-key been so good, right? Sixth at Pebble, 10th in Phoenix, fifth here last year. He plays fine on firm and fast because it can kind of run out for him. Like I, Fitzpatrick, I think I said last week, Gooch might be the most mispriced guy in the field. Might be Fitzpatrick this week. Might be Fitzpatrick. And then Gooch himself is at the bottom of the $8,000 range. If he did not have a horrible Sunday, uh, we might have been talking about his name being in a playoff. I mean, he just, he just punted it away on Sunday, um, which, is, which is strange because he's been so good, but uh, has decent results here, three top 20s in his last three starts. So really that bottom of the AK range, you could live there and I'd be, I'd be pretty happy with it.
Now, as we go to the 7K range, I like to just kind of, um, when I'm in the kind of the value ranges, I like to just kind of go over to like the power rankings and get an idea for how some of these guys are playing. So I've got the last 24 rounds loaded in. You could probably even go shorter than this. I think, you know, when you start getting into the value guys, trying to ride uh, the hot hand feels like feels like the way to go. So let's try, let's try last 20 and uh, sort it by just golfers in this field. And what we're going to see is a couple of names that are in the 7Ks pop up. First off, Tom Hope. Not just the win, was in contention again last week, had popped for top 10s, what, twice in four starts before the victory? So plays really playing really well and gets a course that really the ball striking should help with. Like last 20 rounds, Hoagie's gaining across the board. Really impressive stuff. He's actually second in terms of raw strokes gained in the last 20 rounds. Now, he would get a big ding for Pebble because of the, the weights of that. But, wow, impressive. Henley's up here as well, fifth in terms of strokes gained total in the last 20. And then the other guy uh, that shows up on the list for uh, the $7,000 range is Luke List. And this is, again, Ball Strikers Paradise. Let's look at how those guys rank when we do just this field, but we weight this. Um, Henley gets a boost. He's now the fourth best player. Hoagie and List are 9 and 10. So either way you look at it, they are still top 10 players in this field over the last 20 rounds, and they're priced in the $7,000 range. That's hard to get. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a depth of field that allows for that. And when you look at the rest of the 7K, you know, there are guys uh, that I think will draw ownership, right? People will assume this is a pretty good spot for answer because he's accurate off the tee and stuff like that. Um, Casey could be interesting, right? Paul Casey, who we have not seen. Let's pull up his golfer profile because uh, we have not seen a lot of Paul Casey, especially on the PGA Tour as of late. So if we pull up his golfer profile, that'll give us the true look at what he's been up to. So four consecutive starts on the European tour, four consecutive cuts made, uh, ninth at the DP World Tour. That was at the end of last year. This year, he was 12th in Dubai, 24th in Saudi Arabia. So, I mean, you can't really argue with that. And if we know anything about Paul Casey when he's at his best, what's he doing? Yeah, exactly. He's ball striking. He's hitting his wedge as well. Uh, things like that. So that's an interesting start to the 7K. Oh, I will say this. Um... Thomas Peters. I don't know how popular Thomas Peters is going to be this week, but I think he probably should be. We have had such high expectations for Thomas Peters for the last six years, and for the most part, he has not really lived up to them. He's living up to it now. He is he right now. He's the golfer that we thought he was going to be five years ago. And this is not a knock against him. Golf's really hard. He's still fairly young. Like um, he ended 2021 with a win in Portugal and then a 15th at the DP World Tour Championship. Then he starts 2022 with a win in Abu Dhabi, a 12th at the Dubai Desert Classic, and then 24th in Saudi Arabia, which is the same finishing position that Paul Casey had. So he has now gained. Let's see. Eight, eight or more strokes in one, two, three, four, five of his last nine starts worldwide, something like that. That's a lot of strokes to gain. He's battled some of uh, the better fields that they've had on the on the European tour as of late. And if you look at what he's done here, uh, hasn't played here since, let's see, Thomas Peters. Uh, two years ago, finished third, had a runner up in, what year would that have been, Seventeen. I think I think now's the buy time. Now's the buy time. Um, Sahith, 
Tagala. I worked hard on that pronunciation. I think that's right. I cannot stress enough how impressed I was with him last week. You know, week in and week out, we see guys that are 100, 200, 300th in the world who eject after leading after one round or two rounds or three rounds or whatever it is. This dude hung in, ice in his veins, hit every big shot, got unlucky on 17 for his ball to go in the water, unbelievably impressed, love the kid. However, I can't. I don't think I can buy at 7,300. You know, this is a golf course that um, his style of golf is 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 volatile. It is erratic. It is very handsy with the swing. If he gets loose off the tee, and these are already greens to hit, it's going to be hard. The emotional week last week. I'd be really impressed if he contended again. I want to. I'm going to get access to Sahith, but. It is probably not going to be here. We'll check on him in a couple of weeks, but uh, so, so impressed with what he was able to accomplish. The 6K range is very dart throwy. I don't particularly love it. You know, the usual suspects are here. Russell Knox, Aaron Wise, guys that I think you're fairly high on long-term. And then you get guys like Doug Gim who can kind of put it all together for one round at a time, but he's continued to extend his cut streak. Like that's kind of interesting. Um, Oh, okay. Wyndham Clark is here. Wyndham Clark has two top 20s at this event, and I feel like these missed cuts are not as bad as they appear. Let me just double check this. Uh, but two top 20s, and the only two times that he's played here, let me just confirm what these missed cuts were. Okay, yeah, gets cut in Phoenix, which, whatever, you know, misses it by two shots. Oh, he MDF'd. That's what I was thinking about. He MDF'd. At uh at Pebble Beach, which is he made the cut, but uh because of the amateurs, they did not let them play on Sunday. That's an old thing they used to do, and it's unique to only the PG uh the uh, Pebble Beach Pro Am. But before that, he had been on a pretty good stretch of making cuts. He had made six consecutive before that. If you give him the MDF at Pebble, it's seven in a row. So it's not the worst thing I've ever seen uh, at sixty five hundred. Yeah, sixty five hundred. Ricky Fowler sixty six hundred. And I'm not particularly excited about it to be honest um i want to look at james han real quick because everyone knows not only does han have the win here which he did when he was like 200 to one but even in times where he has struggled he has shown up for this event so if we want to play the um the course history game right we want to play that game because look at this history genesis if i can type it in correctly for james han the win, again, 200 to 1 in 2015, missed the cut the next year and then rattled off four consecutive top 28s. Uh, the last three have been top 25s. And he ball strikes it well when he gets here. He putts well when he gets here. It is not anything like his current form looks right now. He's made four, uh, missed four cuts in a row, although his approach play has been better than average. His tee to green play has been better than average. It's not the ugliest thing that I've ever seen. And when you look back at previous years, right, I mean... He missed the cut at Pebble before he finished T15 at the Genesis uh, last year. You continue to go back. Where am I? Genesis, Genesis, Genesis. Here. T13, missed the cut. Did I say that one? Missed the cut before Genesis the year before. I got lost in my own head here. Uh, actually, was playing pretty well before. Uh, oh, was playing great before he got to Genesis in in 2018. Yeah, so maybe it's not that. Maybe it's not that interesting. Maybe he can't just flip the switch here. Although I lean, he can more than he can't. And I've been proven uh, wrong the last couple of uh, weeks thinking the opposite in, in Brooks and Spieth. David Lipsky's made three cuts in a row. 
14th at the, what was that event? American Express, 24th at Pebble, didn't play last week. Um, he's played big time fields, right? He's played a lot of WGCs and things like that in his career uh, compared, compared to everybody else. When I say a lot, I mean like uh, a handful. But the fact that he's got his PGA Tour card for the first time this year, um, it's more than his peers. All right, let's run a model here. Whew, what are we going to do with this model? So let's do, oh boy, last tw uh, tw uh, 20, 20, I, I want to start getting shorter, right? I want to start getting kind of hot hands here. 20, 16, 16 too much. Let's do 20. Boy, what am I going to do? So I think you need to be well-rounded, but I, I want to, I want to, uh, I want to use the model. So the model was was distance. The model was around the green. It was kind of a little bit of ball striking. So let's do this. Let's do 25 on distance, uh, 20 weighted around the green, uh, 10 off the tee, 10 approach, 10 putting. So now we have a, weight, a weighted weighted strokes game total in which uh, we are giving a bit of a nod to around the green and we're giving a nod to driving distance. We have 25 left. I could do par 5 scoring because if you don't make if you don't make hay at the fives, you're kind of cooked. I could do DraftKings points, I could do birdie or better. I kind of like the par 5 scoring. Let's do let's do um 25 on par 5 score. Let's just see what this pumps out. I don't know. Let's see what it pumps out. My top golfer is oh boy. Yes, Patrick Cantlay. So Cantlay's number one, Xander number two, Cam Smith three, Luke List four, John Rahm five, Rory is six. There you go. Rory is six. Hideki seven, JT eight, Sung J nine, DJ ten. It's kind of the big boys. Let's try a different. Let's try a different model here. Let's try. Um. Well, let's let's go shorter. Let's go sixteen rounds. And let's do 25 on birdie or better. 40 on strokes weighted strokes gain total. That gives us 65. I've got birdie or better. Let's do 20 on accuracy or uh, on, di on distance, excuse me. I have 15 left. Let's say 15 is... Um, I've got a lot of this covered already. But let's do scrambling, which would also be included in strokes gain around the green. Uh, okay, let's do all right. Since it's like POA, right? And sometimes you can get those wonky POA putts. Let's do putts um, like five to ten feet, which are always kind of weird. I just want to I just want to see what the results are. Let me resort this for a new a new model. Okay, Cantlay's number one. Smith, Thomas, Rom. Xander, Cam Young is six. Joaquin Neiman is seven. Might want to look into Joaquin. Eight is Sungjae. I think he was in both of the top tens. Dustin Johnson, nine. Sam Burns is ten. Hmm. All right. Well, there's just so many big names in this field. I, try, I tried to get some, some value in there for you guys, but i um, not sure I necessarily accomplished that goal. Hmm. All right. We got a good one this week. Again, if you're going to be out there on Thursday, give me a holler. Uh, looking forward to meeting you guys. And I will be back with plenty more content this week. You can tweet me at Rick Run Good. You can leave a comment below. Best of luck. And I'll talk to you guys soon.